It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And, of course, you can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. Download the app and take us with you and listen to us anywhere you go. Well, it is a great pleasure of mine to have someone back on Moment of Truth. He's been on the show before. Well, and not only that, he's been on Element FM before. He was the guy I shared the afternoon with for uh, three years. <laughs> it's been three years. And Julian Taylor has uh, recently uh, gotten a new gig, but he's still with Element FM. He's got this new gig. It's called Julian Taylor's Jukebox, and uh, it's premiering on Sundays uh, from 3 to 6 p.m., and it's such a pleasure to have Julian on the show with me. I know he uh, just came back from, I think, out west, and uh, I don't know if that was part work, part vacation, but it's so great to have Julian back on the show and talk about what he's been doing, what he's going to be doing, and certainly about Julian Taylor's Jukebox. Julian. Sago, how yeah. you doing, man? Hi, hi. Hey. Oh, hey, hey, too, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, out west was, isn't everything part work and part vacation? Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. It depends right. on how you look at things, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, shows are opening up. I've been touring. I've, well, not touring. <laughs> I guess you call them one-offs. Mm. Uh, every couple of days, um, go heading to Nashville to do Americana Fest nice. and, uh, you know, was in Vancouver. I'll be back in Vancouver, back in Calgary. I'll be in around Ontario for a little while. Mm. Uh, fingers crossed that everything stays open and uh, people stay safe and sound and yeah. that they can uh, certainly uh, ex- experience live music in person. Because honestly, it's so much better yeah. than uh, Zoom performances and live live streams. Yeah. Uh, not, nothing to take away from them, but that interactive human connection is irreplaceable yeah you know julian a few weeks ago i had the pleasure of emceeing an event in toronto uh down at the waterfront and um it was really cool for exactly the reason and and this is what i said to everybody and and it was uh you know also it was live so there was an audience and there was of course the covid protocols and everything in place but it was also being uh, streamed um as i'm sure those kind of things are going to continue but what i said to everybody is you know what's great about this is not just being able to see the audience and see the band and be there physically you feel the music, you know, you really feel it when you're there in the presence of the band as well with the sound system and all that stuff. It's so incredible and yeah. so fun. It is. It is. So how are you, how are you finding it on these one-offs uh, as you get back in? And, and, and what are you finding in terms of how the, the um, spaces are treating it? it you know, are they, they're, they're obviously following COVID protocols and things. Um, you have to certainly follow protocol. Mm. There's, People wearing masks, yeah. um, the horseshoe gig, people were separated and sitting down, which is so unusual for uh, a venue like that. I've I never mm. saw people sitting at tables at the horseshoe tavern. <laughs> it's always like right. the, the, this strong stench of BO as people are packed <laughs> like little sardines together having a great time, um, which doesn't sound like a great time, but it is. The... Um, the other shows have been really wonderful, mostly outdoors, to be honest. Um, and that's probably why it's fluctuating so drastically now that the weather's changing and mm. people are having to do the indoor sort of seating and arrangements where it comes to uh, live events. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep working. I'm working on a new record. Nice. Uh, the follow-up to The Ridge is a solo project by me. 
evenings like these when the breeze whistled through the trees fall would hover in the grass but still be wet I'd put on my rain boots and I'd get dressed down to the pond beside the chicken coop. Um, and uh, very excited about this new venture, uh, the jukebox. It's yeah. really something that came together naturally. Literally, I'm sitting here chatting with you and I'm staring at the very same jukebox that is um, part of the promo. It's right. the, uh, the Row uh, AMI 1977-200 slot 45 jukebox so there's 45s in my jukebox and i just thought you know what a cool concept it would be to have people you know invite people Mm. into my space Mm. it's 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 kind of like i've invited them into my space anyways we i marvel at the fact that the ridge was released and i did no promo outside of my house i think everybody saw (laughs) every room in my house but my bathroom Um, so I thought, okay, I guess everybody's seen every room in my house. Might as well invite them into my space again Mm -hmm. and, you know, venture into the idea of playing music on a radio station and Mm -hmm. online, Mm -hmm. uh, through radio, radio mogul, that Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. uh, that would be stuff that you would hear if you walked into my living room. Right. And not only that, uh, you know, myself being indigenous and of uh, West Indian descent, as well as an independent artist, I wanted to really uh, put a focus on people like me. Mm. It's been something yeah. that I don't think has happened for mm. a very long time. Right. And uh, so, yeah, BIPOC artists is, uh, and independent artists are, are, are being, uh, sh- the light is being shone, shone on them. Mm. And uh, it's a nice spotlight to be able to, to do um, with whatever spotlight I've been mm. given the opportunity to uh, give back to. Yeah, right. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Radio Mogul thing in, in a little bit, but I want to come back to the jukebox because I remember when you, you picked up that jukebox uh, and you were uh, you were tweeting about it and stuff. Uh, it I, was Has it been in the last year or has it been more than a year now? Honestly, this pandemic has me so confused as I know. to what has happened <laughs> and when. I know. It feels like I've had the jukebox for 30 years. <laughs> 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 but I think it's about a year ago. Yeah, okay. That makes yeah. sense to me, I think. And uh, I, I know you were all excited about it. And I was super jealous because I went, I want one. I want one. Who doesn't want a jukebox? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, I love it. And then you started doing uh, Julian Taylor's uh, jukebox live performance because you started doing songs in your, ju- you know, sort of a jukebox thing, right? Yeah, I have the jukebox cover sessions. Yeah. And the way that people can actually access that is by going to uh, my website and joining my Patreon. Mm. Um, because that's a private thing that I did. Mm. I don't, I like playing covers. I've made mm. a, a living uh, performing covers for many years. Mm. And so I know a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I just decided, you know what? It's not something that I really wanted to throw out into the public, no. although some people do. It's, I, yeah. I, my music personally is so um, personal. <laughs> double entendre uh it, it's so personal and deep from from my own uh experiences that i i, I didn't want to you know muddy the waters with people's cover songs i just mm-hmm. did it for fun yeah. And, yeah. and kept it private for anybody who subscribes to my patreon right, right. uh having said that though has there ever, ever been a uh a song of someone else's uh writing that spoke to you so strongly that you just said i i have to do like a you know, a real release of this. Have you ever done that? I've released a couple covers. Um, most of them are, 
acoustic covers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I released a song called Ben McCullough mm-hmm. by uh, Steve Rowe, and that's on my um, Spotify. Okay. We signed up in San Antonio, brother Paul and me To fight with Ben McCullough and the Texas Infantry Well, the poster said we get a uniform, seven bucks a week The best rations in the army and a rifle we could keep When I first laid eyes on the general, I knew he was a fighting man He was every inch a soldier Every word was his command Well his eyes were cold as the lead and steel Forged into tools of war He took the lives of many And the souls of many more I also did um, a, a cover uh, Friend of the Devil by the Grateful Dead And that was mm-hmm. like a, a Sirius XM North Americana nice. Station sort of feature thing and, mm-hmm. and I thought the recording was so cool That I put that up on my Spotify But... I mean, all all people's songs that I've enjoyed throughout the years have spoken to me, but mm. my my words and my experience yeah. can't really replace. There's never been a song that I'm like, you know, this is the one that I would cover and 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 think that I could do better. Uh, a yeah. Yeah. and B really speaks about my own experiences. I think there's mm-hmm. one song that I absolutely adore. Actually, um, is "This Must Be the Place." Mm-hmm. When people ask me what my favorite pop song is, like mm-hmm. maybe it's "This Must Be the Place" by the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. I just love the line in that song where he's like, "Home, uh, it's where I want to be," mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess I'm already there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cool. I get that. So, so Julian, I have to ask you this now, because as a singer-songwriter, what speaks to you more out of a song, or does it, in terms of either the writing of the song or uh, the the vocal line and 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 singing? Uh, because for me, as you know, I'm a singer. That's what I do first. That's that's mm. what I think of prominently is the vocal. Uh, and sometimes I hear something and I go, oh. That is, that's so gorgeous. I, I got to try that. I got to do that. And there's been a number of songs that I have come across where I just go, wow, you know, like I'd love to do a cover or I'd love to attempt that or see what I can do with that. Not necessarily to do it better, but just it makes me, it just feels so good that it, it's great to perform. 
yeah, um, for sure. Uh, Take me to the river is a, is a version yeah. of that. yeah of that yeah. But you know what? It's for me. It's like lyrically, I think, and and musically, it's such an interesting marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrically is certainly as I've gotten a, a a bit older. Lyrics speak to me more than than the music does. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I lie. Because the music speaks to me, it's what gravi- what I gravitate <laughs> to first, and then I'm all, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, the lyrics are great. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's hard to answer that question because it's any given day, it, it's different, really. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So now that we're talking in the, this sort of a vein, tell me something about uh, Julian Taylor's jukebox. What is how is Julian Taylor's jukebox going to present material, and and how is it going to talk about songs, and and what are you going to do through that three hour time slot of three to six p.m. on Sundays, which will be on Element FM, uh, and, uh, and let's talk more also after this about the uh, syndication element and uh, Radio Mogul. Sure. Well. Um the way that I'm going to present the show is is very simply uh, this. I'm going to be just speaking to people like I'm talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's it's my most comfortable sort of way of being, mm. uh, and my and I believe that when you're being yourself and you're in your most comfortable state, that's when people connect with you. Mm. I'm not a guy who goes about wanting to be really flashy or anything like that. I I I, I just don't. It doesn't appeal to me. Hmm. You know, if I could release music and never ever have to post anything about it, that's probably what I would do. Right. But I just find that I have to. Hmm. Uh, it, it also sort of, you know, taps into my, my my little bit of narcissism that I have, that everybody has. When you see that somebody likes something, it gives you that sort of serotonin sort of feeling. But hmm. I think that what's more important for me is the message and the feeling of the message. I don't ever really put anything up and uh, in, in, out into the world and, and, and unless it really matters to me. Mm. Um, otherwise, it doesn't work. Right. People can see right through me. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm a pretty transparent character. And it's so, I want to be transparent in, the, in any delivery of the music. I want to make sure that I talk about the song, how it makes me feel, uh, why I liked it, or even... I don't even have to do that. Just say, I love it. Because sometimes mm. that's all you need to say. Like, right. point of sisters. I'm so excited. I love it. Mm. There's nothing not to love about it. Right. You dance. They're right. awesome. It's it's just about having good a good time and enjoying right. yourself. Yeah. And I think that, you know, trying to impress people is boring. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying. Now, you say you're you're transparent and people see through you, but I think you're also a very deep person. So, uh, people, you might be transparent, but it goes pretty deep gets pretty dark down there, Julie, because you're so deep. And I say that with, with uh, the, the utmost respect because I think you are a very, uh, uh, a, a very um, thought, thoughtful person and, uh, and how you I say things. I think the same as you. Well, I thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Got each other in the back because that's, that's, I haven't seen you in so long. I would love to give you a hug. Oh, yeah, likewise. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. That, that yeah. sounds good, man. For uh, sure. It, it, it will when we can we'll do that we will definitely absolutely. do that absolutely you're always i'm at the lake right now and you're welcome here anytime oh, well i'm leaving right now okay. <laughs> interview <laughs> over <laughs> 
That's right. So you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. And I am speaking with my uh, my former uh, afternoon host of the cruise on Element FM 106.5, Julian Taylor, who has uh, moved on from his duties as an afternoon DJ for the cruise and now has his own radio jukebox show airing on Sundays here on Element FM from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, on some other radio stations across the country as he gets uh, set up. Now, Julian, what I didn't know about this, because, you know, you and I spoke about this a little while ago, and I, I knew you were you were going to do this, and I was so excited for you. I didn't know about the radio mogul thing or any, any side of that or, or anything else outside of what was going to be happening with Element FM. So why don't you uh, tell us more about that? Sure. Uh, there's a long history uh, with myself and and. Radio Mogul. Mm-hmm. Radio Mogul actually used to be a company called Media Zor. Mm. And uh, the president and CEO of Media Zor, Greg Nisbet, oh, met yeah. me uh, a long time ago at an Indie Week. Mm. We're talking 2012, perhaps, okay. is how long it goes back. Oddly enough, um, Greg Nisbet was the person to introduce me to Dave Charles. <laughs> and Dave Charles is one of the station managers at Element FM. And so full circle, it's interesting how that, that how, how life works, yeah. but um, we're all friends. And um, Greg and I had been chatting a long time ago uh, about this w- little startup we had. It was an online radio station called All Natural Music. And that, like I said, mm. obviously it changed and Greg did his own thing. I, I, it turned into Radio Mogul. Mm. And so there's an online element to the show that's uh, got a global stamp Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a um, like satellite radio, if you mm-hmm. if you would. Mm-hmm. So Greg is the executive producer of the show. Okay. Uh, I'm a co-producer of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, we sort of enlisted anybody that we could to help us with it. And uh, even Alan Cross, uh, you know, put up his hand and, and helped nice. us with some voiceovers, which is pretty amazing. Nice. So. Um, the idea is that Radio Mogul produces this particular show, The Jukebox, and delivers it to uh, Element FM. So mm-hmm. it's its own show. It stands alone as a uh, show that has the capacity and capability. And uh, we are hoping, you know, fingers crossed that people like the show mm-hmm. uh, and that it can uh, be syndicated across many radio stations. Right. Uh, somebody asked me, are you, you going to be syndicated across Canada? And I said, Canada? Why are you thinking so small? Let's go for the world. He said, <laughs> yeah, all jokes aside, you got to start somewhere. So we're starting in Toronto and Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, fingers crossed, if you manifest uh, things and, 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 mm-hmm. and believe in yourself and believe in the other people around you and, and walk with a, uh, a kind-hearted um balanced stroll then the things that you envision in your life are absolutely possible Mm. so that's my hope that's my vision and uh whoever's listening if you're listening in guatemala if you're listening in uh you know south africa or you know calgary alberta um, the show is up for syndication Mm. and i'm hoping that i just get stronger and stronger as the uh, days go by with you know paying homage to the musicians and, and artists that are a, some of my peers and b some of the people that have inspired and influenced me throughout my entire career. Mm. 
now, you mentioned that it's for the unsigned artists, to some degree, the independents. So, um, how are you going to perhaps access new artists, or how are new artists that might want to be featured on your show that have an interest, how are they going to get a hold of you? Uh, they can hit us up at uh, the Julian Taylor Jukebox Facebook page. Yep. Uh, there's also an email address, team at allnaturalmusic.com. Okay. And uh, they can send stuff there. I have my ears to the ground. I'm obviously uh, part of the music community in Toronto, for, mm-hmm. for and I have been for uh, almost three decades now, which is absolutely frightening to say. But um, <laughs> I'm going to start sourcing out everybody and everything and all things possible. I think mm-hmm. the, the, the way I describe the show is, you know, like I said before, an invitation into my home mm. and music that I might play if you were in my living room. Mm. And uh, it is all encompassing with a uh, focus on BIPOC and independent artists like myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't uh, I don't have any discrimination against genre. Mm-hmm. No, nothing like that. And I'm mm. really grateful for the opportunity that FPR and, and uh, Jean LaRose and, and uh, Radio Mogul have uh, and Element FM have mm-hmm. presented here uh, for me to continue uh spreading my joy and love for the art form that has, you know, embraced and been a massive, one of the biggest parts of my entire life so far. Mm-hmm. Music. You know, the, the, the idea of this, this three hour time slot and the, and the idea that, that you're saying you're not going to be focused on any one genre. It's uh, whatever, you, you know, catches your ear, whatever you you find interesting, you want to help promote in terms of artists, wherever they might be, which is great. And I think that partly COVID has done something to help with that. Uh, you have not, you and I have spoken about this before because uh, since things have gone online, uh, like you said, why think so small? The world is at our fingertips at this point in time. Like you said, you're, these won't, won't just be playing songs. You will be playing songs, but you're also going to be doing interviews with people on, on their music. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I start, uh, the first episode does not have an interview. Okay. Just wanted to get our feet wet. Yep. The second one, and they're on moving forward, should have interviews. Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, it's an interesting thing because I'm traveling a lot. So some of the uh, interviews will happen when I'm at home and I have my actual home studio. And, and then some will be when I'm in a hotel room on a laptop, you that's, know, like it's just what it is. That's cool. That's great. So uh, it's going to be the traveling jukebox. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you know, so. Well, that's great, Julian, because it's going to give you the opportunity to, like you said, uh, you know, when you're on the road and you're meeting people and you uh, you can either line things up or who knows, you might, might come across some uh, wonderful gems while you're traveling around and have the opportunity. Always do, man. Always do. Yeah. So that sounds great. Uh, what a wonderful opportunity. And, and I, you know, going back to what you're saying about not limiting yourself to genre or, or looking at one specific area, you know, I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, I understand why radio programming is, is done the way it is. However, um, I don't know about you, but it's just like you we were talking about music earlier. It's like different times. You feel like different music. You feel like different things. And so we, we all listen to, I think, I would hope we listen to a variety of, of styles and a variety of music um, throughout the day or throughout the week. And it's great to have that variety because I think it keeps us fresh in some ways. Okay. I agree with you 100%. Actually, 125, actually 128%. (laughs) Okay. Can I ask why you took off two points and not went to 30? 
Okay, one 145%. <laughs> Do I hear 50? Do I hear 150? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's, That's great, Julian. This is so wonderful. I'm, I'm really excited to hear the show. I can't wait uh, to, uh, to, to hear what you're doing with it. I'm so happy for you in regard to... Now, listen, you got the jukebox. Are you going to be using the jukebox at all? You know, maybe. I... I don't know. I mean, like, here, I'll play a song right now before we go. (laughs) I don't know, like, if it's going to be, like, world-class. As you know, I've walked away from the mic, as you can tell. Yeah. uh, Here we go. Here's a good one. Let's see what we got. Can you hear this? Can you hear that? I can hear it spinning up, man. Let's see what happens. Sometimes these 45 skip, you know? This is uh, analog technology. Oh yeah! All right. How do you like that? All right, man. That's it. I can't stop it. It's got to play through. My daughter and her friends are like, "How do you skip this?" I'm like, "It's not like it's not like streaming. You gotta let the record play." Oh, that's too funny, Julian. That's too funny, man. I, I love you, David. Thanks, buddy. I love you too. Listen, I guess the only way to stop that is if yeah, you gotta unplug it. But anyway, you don't want to mess it up, Julian. Great to talk with you. Let's talk again. All the best with the show, man. You too, brother. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya. That is the voice and jukebox of Julian Taylor and his new show, Julian Taylor's Jukebox. As I said, uh, that show is premiering right here on Element FM from 3 to 6 p.m. on Sundays, Julian Taylor's Jukebox. We're so happy to still have Julian here at Element FM uh, and uh, still involved. He was such a great joy to have with me on Afternoons. right here on 106.5, you know, when he did the cruise, but uh, he has decided to move on, and all the best to him. He's having such a great uh, year for his music. Um, You know, The Ridge has done so incredibly well, so proud of him, so happy for him, and uh, can't wait to hear what he's going to do with uh, Julian Taylor's Jukebox. It's a great idea. I hope it catches on. hope he does well with it, and uh, we look forward to hearing more. We'll probably uh, touch base with Julian Taylor again in the future uh, as uh, as we find out how that is progressing and if it's starting to expand and go beyond the borders of Canada uh, as it gets syndicated out and around, well then we'll be glad to have Julian back on. I, I think a, a nice way for us to uh, perhaps uh, pay homage to uh, Julian and uh, Julian Taylor's jukebox is maybe to play a track or two just to finish off our time with Julian here uh, That with a song that we play here on Element of M of Julian Taylor's Why Not? I think that's a way to go out. So let's listen to some Julian Taylor right here on Element FM, Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Always a pleasure to have you with us each and every day right here on the show. So please keep listening, and we'll see you again next time.
Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Nora Rosenthal. She's a writer and filmmaker, and now she has something new to talk to us about. And it is a magazine, the Rat Chat magazine, and it crosses the spectrum of flesh and ideas. And uh, so it's a pleasure to have her here to talk about the magazine. And uh, Nora, I'm just going to talk a little bit more about the Rat Chat and, and what it is. So it's got... Images, photography, interviews, illustrations, comedy. Uh, it, it really doesn't uh, uh, hold back on in any areas. And uh, the Rat Chat editorial believes that uh, sexuality is culture and seeks to celebrate both the same in the same publication. And uh, it's actually interesting because it does talk about how sort of now over a year of isolation and intimacy that it comes as no surprise that family should become the underlying theme of this, the inaugural Rat Chat magazine as well. So it has all of those things and much more in it. So it's a pleasure to welcome Nora Rosenthal to the show. Nora, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, you know, I was intrigued by when I saw this magazine, and um, I, I, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about why you thought it was important that, that this should come out now. Um, oh, for, for so many reasons, but okay. uh, I had just never, I'd never seen a culture magazine mm. that addressed, uh, addressed sexuality as anything other than than an idea it was always i mean if a if a magazine was concerned with culture it was never sexy and <laughs> and vice versa um and you know as far as uh as far as thinking about family and about about sexuality mm. uh you know my my husband and i actually just moved to hamilton because we we fell in love with another married couple and we moved here mm. to be with them and to mm-hmm. raise kids together right um and you know it's it's one thing to be interested in the idea of family and also the idea of sexuality and to be open to your friends who don't live in heteronormative relationships mm. but obviously it's something entirely different to actually suddenly be living that reality mm. um so a bunch of things that I'd already been thinking about for a long time were sort of coalescing in my personal life. Um, and also, you know, I, <laughs> I lost a bunch of jobs, obviously, as so many other people did uh, mm. because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had the privilege of time. Uh, and, you know, I just moved to cities yeah. uh, and just wanted to, wanted to stay connected to my community in Montreal, mm. um, especially the friends with whom I'd been collaborating with for over a decade and you know, I wanted to wanted to make something with them. Right. Yeah. You touched on a number of things there. First of all, I want to come back to the idea of COVID, because it seems that, as you say, we, we've all been affected by COVID in so many ways. Uh, the isolation of it, the the whole idea that it has it has made us focus. Uh, a, a lot more on the things that are important to us in, in so many ways. I think, and your magazine addresses that. Uh, it, it addresses that in terms of relationships. Uh, we, we see uh, two women, uh, Eileen and Wendy, and we talk about that and, and, and about their relationship and this family idea that you're talking about as well. And it's interesting that how COVID has, has done that because it has in some ways brought us and made us, made us look at ourselves 
more closely because uh, our, our mortality became a reality, didn't it, to some degree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if uh, per- perhaps if there's some large sort of ambient terrifying thing in mm. the in the air, this like great unknown, mm. you know, it, it makes you reassess priorities. Mm. I think that's certain. Um, and I think if you're somebody who wants to jump into something, all of a sudden you you consider you consider the why, but you you just go for it. Right. Yeah, the other thing you talked about there at the, in in the beginning was uh, about the magazine and about you know you, you talked about the separateness of things. If it was sexual or if it was on some other topic, then it, it wasn't sexy. But I, I like the idea that that uh, in in talking about this rat chat, it addressed that if you were reading a novel, you know uh, the characters in there are allowed to be all of these things. So why would that mm-hmm. be any different than say in a magazine? Um, which I thought was was a pretty interesting way of approaching this and, and bringing it forward. Now, the magazine just doesn't talk about some of those things that we, we did talk about. Um, you you have some great interviews in here. There's some great photography and, and images in here as well. And um, so, uh, you know, you have, but you have these in-depth stories, right? You don't just, uh, it's not mm-hmm. like a very, uh, uh, a couple of lines or a couple of paragraphs. You go into great detail on the stories, at least in this this first uh, um, inaugural um, launch. For sure. Um, I mean, the, the cover story is one of those, Eileen and Wendy, mm. um, there's this unbelievably wonderful couple. Uh, you know, they just talked my ear off for, for <laughs> hours. <laughs> um yeah, they're, they're so delightful. And they obviously, you know, they fell in love over COVID and, you know, Eileen had never been been with a woman before, mm-hmm. but they just developed this unbelievably intense friendship, uh, which, you know, and they were kind enough to share their story with me. And it was, it was so interesting as somebody who, you know, has largely in, in my interviews with other people, I largely interviewed, you know, artists and people sort of working in the culture industry mm. about their practice. And mm. I'd never just, I'd never sat down to interview somebody about their love story before. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, it was, it was wonderful. They're very, they're very candid, but uh, yeah, I mean, that that's, yeah, anyhow. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and you get that sense um, from even the images. Uh, they, they do seem very comfortable. They do seem very uh, open about about their relationship and talking about it. And it's interesting to to also understand that um, this is new for at least one of them uh, because they hadn't had not been involved with uh, a woman before in a relationship. They had been married twice and two daughters, I believe, from the first marriage. So uh, this was something that they approached and uh, they found later in life and around their 50s or so. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're so open in those photos because I mean, in part because it's uh, it's Eileen's daughter, Ariana Molly. Mm. Who's, ah. who, uh, who took the photos um, and, you know, is, is so thrilled mm. that they're together. Right, right. And and so um, what about distribution and accessing the magazine? How, how can people get a hold of it? Oh, well, uh, in Toronto, it's going to be at 100% Silk, which is this really mm. interesting textile gallery mm. uh, on Queen Street West. Uh, and then there's also just ratchatmag.com and it's going to be distributed internationally by a magazine haven uh, mm. in the UK. Okay. And then over in Montreal, it's going to be at the Phi Center 
and also at Cafe Odessa, which is right uh, right adjacent to uh, the restaurant that I used to manage before COVID hit. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, so what have you found um, since since getting behind this idea and wanting to to bring this forward? Are there any any surprises or anything that, that jump out at you in terms of what you hadn't been expecting to learn, either about uh, relationships or about how COVID has affected things or anything on that front in terms of that you, you didn't see coming, but, but it, it was something that you found as you were going through this process? Hmm. Um, I think I was really, I was really amazed that everyone I reached out to seemed to be, to be thinking about these ideas already. Mm-hmm. Everyone seemed to be like quietly at work on a, on a very, it was like a highly personal, highly interesting project that felt very attuned to the themes of the magazine. Uh, that it really wasn't that it wasn't a stretch. Um, you know, even even people I you know reached out I reached out to this uh, this poet uh, Marcela Huerta, and and I told her some of that the the themes of like of family and sexuality uh, and the sort of like were really coalescing in the inaugural the inaugural issue. And she said like, Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on something that I think might be perfect. And that was, that was the answer I received hmm. uh, almost across the board. That's interesting. Um, would you say that you, 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 you think this might be the start of something that we are going to see more of an acceptance and more openness around these areas because of what you you had just said there? Oh, I wonder. I mean, I think as soon as you're, you know, in a slightly non-traditional relationship, it's a great litmus test, you know, (laughs) for for other people. Uh, You know, some people behave very badly. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I mean, honestly, as a a very privileged person, as, as, you know, a white woman in a very racist world, it's been probably quite important for me, for instance, to, to visceral feel, to viscerally feel uh, what it's like, you know, for countless others, and particularly queer people mm. who, you know, at the end of the day can tell somebody that they're in love and somehow have that interpreted as bad news. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think people, people calm down eventually. And I think representation is, is very key that you just, you see people who are, lead, who are leading, you know, interesting and pleasant and you know fulfilling lives who that don't look quite like what yours looks like mm-hmm. um and eventually people you know people take a deep breath and they they come up against their prejudices mm-hmm. but uh they calm down maybe the next time they meet somebody who's uh who's made different choices than them they're a little they, they bristle a little less mm-hmm. you know it, it makes you wonder um, you know, you mean, you say non-traditional. It makes me also think about what is what is normal. I mean, you know, that that question has been around for a while. I guess challenging that idea. I think of the the, the also the idea of um, the Europeans uh, coming over to North America and finding indigenous people, and of course uh, there had always been two spirited people living within the communities. And mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's this isn't anything new. It's just that it. it I guess what mainstream society uh, has always ha- found a way of of being able to uh, 
uh, keep this under the covers, so to speak, I guess, and not be able to bring it to the surface, where it seems that, that there's more and more of this, uh, you know, uh, coming out and uh, and being able to uh, be spoke about and, and address this. And, and I'm sure that uh, that, of course, is allowing more people to feel more open about the idea of talking and sharing. Would you agree? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So what do you hope to accomplish with the magazine? Oh, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm so excited by having a platform for this, this cultural free for all. Mm. Um, you know, the idea that you can uh, show empowering uh, images of a sex worker and also talk about a fringe sport in this case, motorsports. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. And that you can also you know, interview people about their love lives and their film practice, and uh, you know have a comedian who normally does stand up, but sort of put, put work down on on paper that just that anything goes. I mm. think that's just. I think that's surprising and strange, uh, intriguing, and ultimately lots of fun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And why not, right? Yeah. (laughs) You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Nora Rosenthal. She is a writer and filmmaker, and we're talking to her about a new magazine. And that is Rat Chat magazine, and uh, we're talking about the the inaugural, the very first one that is being dropped. Is there a uh, launch date? Yes, October fifteenth. That's right. Uh, and there's going to be a launch party at a hundred percent silk on Queen West in Toronto. Will there be any um, online or virtual presence to that? There will. Uh, right now, we're I mean we're on Instagram at Rat Chat Mag, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be selling the the print issues through the website and after the launch of the physical the physical version mm-hmm. we're going to be moving some of the content online mm-hmm. but it is it is important to me that it exists as this this object that it is a return to print media in lots of ways and there's you know there's a poster inside and it's and it's glossy and it's you know it's redolent of these like nice nice magazines that manage to to toe the line between highbrow and lowbrow mm-hmm. and everywhere in between Right. Now, so far, what kind of feedback are you getting uh, from this? Uh, some very encouraging feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was so thrilled to find a distributor, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, yeah. Very, very pleasantly surprised to just start to start a project out of the blue, um, you know, for, for lots of reasons. And, you know, not least of all, because I missed talking to people. You know, I, I missed my job interviewing artists and just finding out about people Uh and and I wasn't really finding a foothold to do that elsewhere. And, you know, I'm lucky enough now to have to have this platform and have a platform that I can, you know, reach out to other people to have them, you know, have have them you know, project their voice as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, as you, you said, uh, the magazine sort of touches on all kinds of fronts. And the other thing that uh, you're going to in-depth interview with with um, uh, someone here, uh, Ira, is it Ira Bean? Issa, Issa Ben. Issa Ben, thank you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was really interesting because you got to talk um, about the history, the black history, and, and how there are things that the the white community just don't 
know or understand, even even around the subjects that are addressed within the family, at least it seemed like it was talking about from a black perspective in terms of around uh, what the family in, in a non-white uh, setting would would talk about and uh, and share openly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been I've been lucky enough to know Issa for about ten years now, mm. and uh, you know the the interview is called Dispatch from a Parallel Universe yes. because <laughs> I've whenever I talk to her and she talks to me about her her family, especially her African family, it it does it just feels like it feels like a parallel universe, a mm. parallel universe to you know to my to my white universe, and mm. there's so many things. Uh, that that are yeah just just completely different in terms of perspective and you know she she talks about uh, a big uh, something she has to contend with when it comes to you know white Canadian culture is this idea of of politeness but of like whitewashing people of politically neutralizing people mm. whereas she talks about how uh, whenever she goes back to Africa people people argue about everything but mm. people but but people stay polite in their argument, but I actual ideas are bandied around and investigated and explored and how for her, she feels this is daily. She describes it as a daily cultural shock when people don't allow her to express, uh, you know, to express ideas that aren't, that aren't part of the norm that people won't argue with her. <laughs> a couple of things come to mind when you say that, you know, one is, and the unfortunateness of that, because if you think about what we could all learn from from being able to discuss things more openly, um, and how that would enrich our own um, existence, right, and probably mm-hmm. be more open to exactly the yeah. kind of things that we're talking about right now, that's one thing that comes to mind. Um, oh, do you know what though? The one, the, the other thing she talks about in terms of family, which I love, is that her. Her parents were just very passionate and they argued all the time, mm. but they, they argued about real things like real substantive ideas. For instance, you know, whether, whether a young child should watch sex and violence in the movies. Mm. Um, and she talks about how that was, that was a real substantive philosophical debate in her household right. um, where her mom would say, well, like, you know, sex, sex is part of life. Especially, you know, can we, you know, uh, why shouldn't she watch that? Right. Uh, and her father would say, well, you know, violence is a part of her lived reality. It's a part of her, her, her history as a black person. That should also be something that she gets to think she gets to see. But this would be something that they would talk about very openly all the time in front of her. Um, and I think especially, you know, especially somebody who's become, uh, you know, a, a non-biological parent in the past, uh, in the past year, I've, you know, you come up against this like white parenting culture in which people mm-hmm. are not allowed to talk about real, real things with their children, where there's a, an idea that you should protect kids from these big ideas. But then then how else are you going to explore them, <laughs> explore these, mm. uh, explore these ideas with them? Now, of course, the other thing you, you talk about, uh, Nora, in, in your magazine is, uh, I guess, it involves your own family because you you, you do address this idea of, of two families living together, uh, our family living together in a house. You, you talk about that in your in this magazine. Uh, yeah, I was very I was lucky enough to befriend Christopher Wall in the past mm-hmm. year. Um, and it's funny, we have a bit of a personal connection. He, he took this wonderful photograph of my mom about a decade ago mm-hmm. uh, for Canadian Art Magazine. 
And it just always struck me as this photo that perfectly captured my mom. Mm. And, and I had this job uh, working for an architecture firm. I needed to hire a photographer and I reached out to him and, uh, you know, told him how much I loved this photo mm. of my mother. <laughs> and we just, we hit it off. Mm. So when I asked him what, he wanted, you know, asked me if he wanted to contribute to this magazine and he said yes. And then I asked him, you know, what he wanted his contribution to be and he wanted to come, you know, come to my house and uh, and photograph all of us. Hmm. Great. So so tell me more about why you thought it was important to include this this idea of two families living together, coming together. I mean, you said that in our opening here that, that you relocated to Hamilton because you fell in love with this other family and your family then moved together. So tell me about that, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's a funny and very, it's a funny position to be in as an editor when you, your face is also in the magazine <laughs> instead of a, sure. an unusual circumstance. Yeah. And right. I think... You know, it's a it's a strange experience too to invite a photographer to your house, especially mm. you know a celebrity portrait photographer to right. your house because you yeah. feel a little bit everyone feels a little bit on display. Sure. Um, but it's it's also it's also really wonderful to have these to have these photos of of our family together and of the different permutations. He took portraits of us individually, and then also portraits of us as pairs and as a family. Um, and yeah, and it was just you know it's 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 so it's so close to my heart. And then also, you know, even just moving here for, for our partners and for their kids was such a, such a motivation to start this magazine in the first place. Um, such a motivation to just be thinking about what family means and even like, you know, what, what is, what is a structurally queer family, even, though, mm-hmm. even if there's aspects of straightness as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and uh, yeah, I guess they they were the impetus and the inspiration for the magazine in so many ways. So it felt very right that we should all appear in the magazine itself. Mm. And so, you know, you've t- we were talking about discussions. <laughs> so what kind of discussions, if you don't mind me asking, kind of took yeah. place around the idea? Should we, you know, do you want to do this? Um, uh, you know, just to get some background. Um, I mean, I think it was, it was tough. I, 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 I was maybe a little pushy about Mm. putting our images in the magazine, but I think, you know, ultimately everyone really got along with Christopher and felt, you know, there was this, this very interesting dynamic, you know, I I also take photographs uh, Mm. and my husband takes photographs. So we're always taking images of one another. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's a very different experience to have, to have this external eye, um, Especially, you know, even as a photographer, I really believe there's always a shared a shared authorship between the photographer mm, and uh, sure. and the subject. Yeah. So it's interesting to sort of open open up that authorship and that ownership of your own image to somebody else. It's both very frightening, but then it's also very very wonderful to see to see the result to see somebody else's gaze mm-hmm. uh, upon you. Right. Right. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Now, the other thing, uh, you know, uh, not not to uh, or or to give more of an idea of of at least what this magazine is doing. Uh, as you scroll down, at least I have the digital versions. I'm scrolling down, and you have this non sequitur area then that are just uh, in some ways sort of nonsense uh, uh, humor uh, lines that are in there, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I think I think it just it, I wanted a little bit of levity mm, <laughs> in my yeah. magazine, and yeah. uh, it's a bit of ex- an experiment too. You know, mm. I mean, Nick Nick does stand up, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it'd be interesting to see how that translates onto a page, and right. you know, 
and even how it impacts the narrative of the whole magazine, right. because there's been great consideration in terms of how how you read it from beginning to end. And that, that's also why it was important to make it something that existed uh, as a print object, not just online, mm. uh, because there's, you know, there are these small stories that went their way through through the magazine, but really it has a it also has a beginning, a middle and an end. And it felt like it was important to have to have a laugh. And even we have a, it opens also with a, an advice column uh, that's illustrated, not, uh, not with words, but by an illustration by Margot Klinschinder. Uh, you know, because I thought that would be sort of, it's, it's amusing and also infuriating and mm. baffling mm. Uh, to have your advice rendered in, in illustration. Right. Yeah. And there are a lot of images that, that go along with the magazine, which is nice, of course. Um, now, the one, I guess it's getting into the, the very uh, sort of the end. Well, no, no, it isn't because you've got the moto section, which is like you said, <laughs> it's all of this, this motocross stuff in here, too. So uh, you really do have a, a a large uh, crossed section of, of articles. Now, tell me about this one, though, the motocross. Tell me about this one. Moto, I mean, this is this is, this is is Brian Suklowski, who's mm. who I'm married to, mm. um, who used to ride dirt bikes. And uh, I asked him, I asked him to do this for the magazine mm-hmm. um, because he has a really interesting really interesting take on on the sports universe and we've gone to see motocross for instance together mm. and i'm i'm intrigued by it as a as a fringe sport as opposed mm. to a mainstream sport the fans are all very mm-hmm. like yeah you, know, you know intense mm. but uh but it's also you know he feels a certain a certain unease about about the people who tend to be fans of motorsports, people mm. who are quite homophobic, who are coming from, you know, like pretty white rural working mm. class backgrounds largely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's all about him uh, sort of interrogating what it means to be a fan when you don't like all the other fans, <laughs> um, mm. how you how you reconcile that. But also, you know, he's, he's a filmmaker as well and he's mm-hmm. an image maker right. and, and also talking about uh, his personal archive and and yeah and it's the act the act of documenting and I, I think he managed to somehow wend wend all these themes together in one piece. Interesting, you know. Again, as you as you address that uh, and and talk about your husband and how he likes the sport, but maybe not the other fans. Uh, it really makes me wonder again if. Perhaps what you're doing with this magazine by incorporating something like that, giving that opportunity for other people, because if he feels that way, I'm sure there are other people that feel that mm-hmm. way and just perhaps are not saying so. And so perhaps it's going to give them voice, you know, or the idea that, hey, I, I should speak about this as well, because I, I've never been comfortable with it either. So uh, I think there's uh, some wonderful things in your magazine that you've got going on here. Congratulations to you uh, and, and all the best with it in the future, for sure. Thank you. Just wondering if there's, uh, Nora, just as we end up, is there is there anything else we haven't touched on that you would like to leave uh, potential readers with or the idea that we haven't touched on around this magazine so far? Oh, goodness. No, I don't think so. Though, I mean, if anybody, I'm always open to, to photographers and to yep. writers. If they, if they have a voice that I haven't, you know, that... I haven't featured to, to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want, I want submissions for, for, for future, for future issues, you know, even looking back on this in hindsight, um, obviously for a first issue, it's, it's often your own community and then maybe only one step beyond that. Mm. Um, but there's, you know, there's lots of voices that 
I didn't manage to include in this. I want to hear, mm. I want to hear from indigenous people. I want to hear from incarcerated people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just want a, a total multitude of, of perspectives. Sounds great. And once again, if people want to reach out to you, they can get a hold of you at any time at Rat Chat Mag. Yeah, that's the best way. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Nora, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about Rat Chat and all the best with it. Thank you so much. All right, you take care. You as well. All right, bye-bye. And that is Nora Rosenthal. She is a writer and filmmaker. We've been talking to her about Rat Chat Magazine. And as you heard her say, if you want to reach out and find out more, uh, you can go to Rat Chat Mag, or, and you can reach out to them and uh, get a hold of them at, at Rat Chat Mag. That is our show for today. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day right here on Element FM. And we'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.